I feel good. Na 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 na. I knew that I would now. Na 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 na. I'm always happy in singing because I exercise. And I'm sure if you're a fit, strong, healthy person, that it's much easier to be happy. You've got happy drugs pumping through your brain. But people exercise for lots of different reasons. Now, I'm an old lady, so for me, it's all about having energy every day, being able to do all the things that I want to do and live with great quality of life. I also get, though, that because I've lived such a long time, that there are people who like to have really ripped abdominals, tight butt cheeks, gorgeous arms, uh, be in peak physical condition. And there's lots of competitions for that, of course. Bikini competitions, bodybuilding competitions, wellness competitions, uh, wear your speedos on stage competitions, wear your body shorts on stage competitions. There are lots of ways to show off your body. So one of the questions as an exercise professional and as a person who really loves exercise, people often ask me, Rowie, how do I get my body into peak physical condition so I can stand on stage with beautiful muscles and I look amazing? And it's a great question and uh, really interesting information delivered out there in the world. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of contradicting information. There's a lot of argument. There's a lot of people giving information that may or may not understand how the human body works from anatomy and physiology point of view. But because they look good, because they've got ripped abdominals and tight butt cheeks and big arms, a lot of people believe them. They say, well, he looks good or she looks, looks amazing. So they must be telling me the truth. I'm going to do what they do. So I'm just going to ask you a series of questions because me as an exercise professional, one of the, probably the only thing that I really have understand, that I really understand and have learned over my 40 plus year career is that there's lots of opinions and there's lots of advice and there's lots of contradicting information. And I always use the examples, whether you talk about being a vegan, vegetarian or a carnivore, there are exercise professors, cardiologists, endocrinologists, hormonal experts that will talk about you should be a vegan, vegetarian or you should be a carnivore and they argue. There's people who talk about eating five times a day and there's people who talk about eating once a day, once every 24 hours. There are people who talk about doing three sets of an exercise. There are people who talk about doing five sets of an exercise. There are people who talk about doing one set of an exercise. There's a lot of argument in the exercise profession about what you should do to get your body into great shape particularly if you want to stand on stage and look amazing. And I always use this example. Uh, I went to a bodybuilding competition and there were, if you've ever been to one of these, it's a really fun experience because it's literally magnificent bodies on stage. And if you go to a natural competition, there's smaller bodies with the, and they have very little body fat. If you go to a steroid competition, an, an unnatural competition, uh, there's some amazing freaks of nature, literally freaks of nature. The women look a lot more like men and the men look like much more like giants. And it's really fun. I love it. It's a really great experience. But anyway, I went to this, this bodybuilding competition and there were these two beautiful physiques, both men. They were in the final. They were in the open final. So one guy had won one division. One guy had won another division and they were on stage together for a really long time uh, because they looked almost identical and if you've ever been to a bodybuilding competition there's lots of different judges and they're looking for different things but these guys had to pose and pose again and pose again and, and it just kept going and going obviously because they couldn't pick the winner they looked so identical these two beautiful bodies are about the same size one guy might have been a bit older uh, because they were from different divisions, but they looked the same. 
Finally, they picked a winner, but ultimately on that day, nobody lost. Both of those men looked absolutely spectacular, and the judges said there was such a fine line between the two guys. Now, the background behind that and why I'm sharing it with you is one of those guys was a vegan vegetarian, and all he ate was, and I'll, I'll go a little bit further, vegan vegetarian uh, with uh, and. And enormous amounts of food is what I want to share with you. So uh, he really ate a lot of vegetables and he ate a lot of fruit and he ate a lot of porridge, uh, but all vegan vegetarian and had this magnificent cut, low body fat, big muscles, beautiful body. The other guy was a carnivore and only ate protein and fat. He was anti-carbohydrates. He was anti-fruit, anti-vegetables, anti-porridge, anti-anything that was uh, grown from the ground. He was a carnivore. And yet their bodies looked exactly the same, so much so that the judges had to... There was a dispute about who was going to win because they looked exactly the same. And because I always ask, their training methods were completely different. One guy trained twice a week, just did compound movements, lifted really, really heavy, didn't do any isolation work at all. The other guy was at the gym seven days a week and he was uh, trying to work every individual muscle. And both guys looked exactly the same. The reason I share that with you is, uh, is it possible that there are lots of different ways to get to an outcome? If you want to have a body that's got low body fat and gorgeous muscles that you can see, is it possible that there are different ways to do that? So all I always ask is, what's the safest way What's the fastest way? What's the most effective way? Because as an exercise professional, I don't know about you, but I don't want to give people a program that's slow. I don't want to give a prog- people a program that's unsafe, and I don't want to give them a program that isn't going to work. So obviously those three components are really important. So again, here's a series of questions. Uh, is it possible that, and I know that you know the answer to this, but if I took all the fat off your body right now, we just vacuumed it all off, and all we could see was your muscles, would we all have muscles? And of course the answer is yes. Muscle is an active substance. It doesn't, it can be bigger and smaller uh, if you're a bloke. It can be bigger and smaller if you're a woman that has gained the amount of muscle that you're going to have in a lifetime and then you've let it waste away because you haven't lifted heavy weights. But we've all got muscle and we've all got the same muscles. We've all got abdominal muscles, we've all got shoulder muscles, arm muscles, leg muscles, keep them really simple. (laughs) We've all got muscles. So if we took the fat off all of our bodies, we would all look the same muscularly, just different sizes. So there's a big difference between body fat, how much fat you've got versus how much muscle you've got. And I think there's a really interesting thing to consider there. If I take all the fat off, will I be able to see the muscle? If I can see the muscle and I want to have bigger muscle, what do I have to do? And what's the, what's the program for? What's the most effective way, the safest way, the fastest way to get fat off your body and to have muscles? Now, we've all got muscles. This is really important. So muscle growth then would be the question. How do I get bigger muscles if that's what you want? If you're a woman, you don't want bigger muscles. And that's the interesting thing about bodybuilding for women or for most women when it's not a drug competition. They're tiny, really tiny, like size one, two, zero, very tiny women. You can just see all of their muscles because they have a low body fat percentage. So I'll start with that. Whether you're male or female, regardless of your metabolism, your genetics, your cultural background, etc. How do I get fat off the body? 
And the question is always this, is it by doing long, slow, boring exercise or is it by turning your body into a fat-burning machine so that when you're resting, your body burns fat faster? And I think that's a really important thing to consider because if I'm only burning fat when I'm exercising, the only energy uh, system I can be in is the aerobic system, which means it's going to be very slow. And for most people, slow is not exciting. So if I want to get fat off my body really fast, could it be a great question to ask, do I need to work fast or slow? Now, there's a bit of confusion there because obviously when you work in the phosphate system, which is the fast 100% energy system, uh, there's no fat being burnt at all. None. No fat burning. So that you don't, Rowie, don't sprint because you're not burning any fat. And I love that because I don't want to be burning fat when I'm exercising. I want to be burning fat when I'm not exercising, which is most of the time. So to turn your body into a fast fat burning machine, so your respiratory quotient, where the calories are coming from, so that your body prefers to burn fat as an energy source, you have to be really fit. And the only way to get really fit, and I'll ask the question, is it to do long, slow, boring exercise where you don't overload your heart and lungs, or is it to do hard, intense activity so you get really puffed, so you get really fit? Of course. I know that you know the answer to that. So if I want to get fit or if I want to turn my body into a fat-burning machine so I'm burning fat faster all the time and fat's a preferred energy source, then I've got to get really fit. So there's two different parts here. There's getting really fit and there's getting really strong. If I'm really strong as a man, I'm going to get bigger muscles. If I'm really strong as a woman, I'm going to have strong muscles, not bigger ones, and that's a really important thing to remember. But if I've got a, and I'll now switch to the muscular system, if I can put more muscle on or if I can replace the muscle I've lost because I've been dieting or I haven't been looking after my muscles because I haven't been lifting heavy and I've gotten older, uh, is it possible that uh, by lifting heavy, replacing muscle, getting bigger muscles, I'll speed up my metabolism? And of course the answer is yes. And my my muscle, this is really exciting, my muscle is the largest metabolic machine in my body. It burns the most calories out of everything, all the functions in the body. The muscular system, the muscles of the body, burn the most calories. So if I want to get fat off my body, is it possible that I should be moving really fast, turning my body into a fat-burning machine, lifting really heavy so I get more muscle or replace the muscle that I've lost so that I I speed up, I burn up more fat, more calories, and my body becomes leaner? Because if I take the fat off my body, I'll be able to see the muscles. This is really exciting. If I reduce fat off my body, I'll be able to see my muscles. So I always ask this question, regardless of what the body fat test tells you or the body scan tells you or what somebody else tells you, I think you're this percent body fat, you can look in your own mirror and work out how much body fat you've got. Because if you can see your muscles, you've got low body fat percentage. If you can't see your muscles, you've got a high body fat percentage. Think of it as a doona. Uh, You've either got a doona over your body, a big fat uh, squidgy doona, or you've got a silk sheet. And that's what fat is. If you've got too much fat on your body, you won't be able to see the muscles underneath. If you put a silk sheet over your body, you'll be able to see the muscles. And that's what happens in a bodybuilding competition. It's just beautiful muscle that you can see. It's only covered by skin because there's not very much fat there. So how do I get fat off my body? Get really fit, really fit. So I've got to get people sprinting to get fit to turn their body into a fat-burning machine to change their respiratory quotient so their body prefers to burn fat when they're resting. Also, if I'm exercising at high intensity, I'm burning more calories, 
full stop. If I go for a walk for an hour, I might burn 400, 500 calories if I'm lucky and if I'm a big person. But if I'm doing interval sprint training and I'm getting puffed all the time, my body is not only burning calories faster when I'm exercising, but it's burning calories much faster when I'm resting. And because I've got more muscle, I'm burning calories faster when I'm resting. So that whole process of getting fat off your body is actually quite easy. Get fit, get strong, and you'll burn calories faster and you'll burn fat faster and your body will burn fat at rest. So it'll be a fat burning machine. I'll say that again. Get fit, get strong strong, body becomes a fat burning machine while you're resting and you burn everything faster. Yay, easy. So if you want to get the doona off your body, so you've just got a silk sheet so you can see the muscles, then all you've got to do is burn the fat off your body, which is high intense activity, turn your body into a fat burning machine. Pretty easy. How do I get bigger muscles if I'm a bloke? If you want to go into a bodybuilding competition, and there's another thing to remember here, if I've got bigger muscles, I have bigger space to fill up. So I have to stretch my skin a little bit. I'm also going to stretch my fat a little bit. If I've got if I've got bigger muscles, my fat's got more to cover, so I'm less you're able to see more of my muscles because it's got to spread over a bigger space. So how do I get bigger muscles? And this is really interesting. Do I do little exercises or big ones? And there's no argument here whatsoever, particularly from the endocrinologists, the hormonal experts, that the harder the intensity of the exercise, the heavier you lift, the more intense you work in the phosphate system, in that 10-second system, the higher the hormonal response of human growth hormone and testosterone. There's two very important things for muscle growth and size. You have to have human growth hormone and testosterone for muscles to get bigger. And this is where I think people get a little bit caught up because a lot of the exercise programs that people are given, they do little exercises. They do bicep curls, tricep kickbacks, and leg extensions, and upright rows, and little tiny exercises that work little tiny muscles, and they work one or two at a time. The human growth hormone and testosterone explosion inside your body is it just doesn't happen because you have to be working in the phosphate system at 100% effort with as many muscles as possible. And that's a really interesting thing to remember. The more muscles you use, the more compound the exercise, so the more muscles and joints that are working at the same time, the higher the hormonal response. So if you do little exercises, you get little results. If you do big exercises, you get big results. You have to lift heavier. Now, the other really interesting thing is people say, but Rowie, what about the little muscles? How do they get worked? Well, let's pick any exercise, but a a fun one, for example, is a chin-up because I love it. I'm a woman who loves to do chin-ups and I love being able to do chin-ups. If you have a look at that exercise, a lot of people say, well, it's a back exercise. Uh, I would love you to try and do a chin-up without your arms. (laughs) And if you have a look at the smaller muscles involved, we we could say ultimately that if you do a really good chin-up, everything's working. Your cheek muscles, your butt muscles are squeezing tightly, your calf muscles are trying to get you up there, your toe muscles are clenched, everything's working. But ultimately, you're going to be using your back and your arms, your shoulders. This upper body is going to be working really hard. Now, if you have a look at a a chain, and this is a really good example, if I've got a really big chain and it's got big links, but it's connected, those big links are connected by little links. If I then pull that chain, because that's all that muscles can do, remember, they can't push, they can only pull. I'll just use that as an example. If I push a chain together, I've got, there's nothing going to happen. I can't pull a car with a chain when I push the chain towards the car. I have to pull. So if I want something to work, I have to pull. That's all muscles can do. They can only pull. 
So if I've got big links like this and then I've got little links that are joining the, the big links together, if I pull really hard, which is likely to break first, the big link or the little link? Which is working the hardest, the big link or the little link? I'm pulling as hard as I can. I'm pulling a truck. I'm pulling a bus. I'm pulling something really heavy on a linked chain. Big links joined by little links. It's the little links that have to work the hardest. Well, the human body's the same. When I do a chin-up, my big, the big muscles in my back, my latissimus dorsi, my rhomboids, even my, the bigger muscles in my shoulders, they have to work hard, yes, but the tiny little muscles like my biceps and more importantly, the tiny little muscles inside my shoulder, and this is where it becomes very interesting. The, the, the muscles that hold your shoulder inside this very shallow cavity uh, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres minor subscapularis, tiny, tiny little muscles that stop that shoulder from falling out or being pulled out. Uh, and one of them, the, sub, the supraspinatus, runs through the acromion process in the humerus. And if you, work, if you overwork it, because it runs through a joint, obviously that could get injured, yeah? So if I keep putting too much pressure on those little muscles, is it possible that they will get broken? And that's the interesting thing about do big exercises and then go and do little exercises, which are a lot of exercise programs, particularly ones to put your body on stage. We've got to work the little muscles to get them. And what's the reason? This is the really important question. Why are you working those little muscles? You don't burn fat when you do strength training, so you're not going to be burning fat off your body. If you're doing a little exercise, you only get a small hormonal response. So you're not going to have human growth hormone and testosterone making that muscle bigger. All you're doing is working a little muscle that's already been worked when you do your big exercises. So if I do a really good set of chin-ups and a really good set of bench presses and a really good set of squats and I use all the muscles in my body, most importantly, the tiny little ones. If I then go and do the tiny little ones again, is it possible that they will break, they will get injured, they will get hurt? Now, it might not be today and it might not be next week, but when you're as old as I am and I used to do all, and I call them silly exercises, I call them dangerous exercises, I call them waste of time exercises, because I used to do biceps and triceps and calves and abs and, and leg extensions and shoulders and all the small muscle groups. And that's why I've got broken joints because I did the big exercises and then the little exercises. And unfortunately, the little exercises are the ones that put shearing forces across the joint. If I do a big pulling movement like a chin-up, my bicep's working really hard, much harder than my lats, by the way, because it's, it's the small link in the group. Uh, so I'm getting a really good workout. But if I then pick up a, a, a weight and I put a weight at the end of a long lever, this is really important. If I put a weight here and gravity's pushing down here, I now have against my elbow a shearing force. And as I do that right now, I have sore elbows all the time. And that's not a whinge, moan and complain. That's just a don't make the same stupid mistakes that I did by doing thousands of bicep curls and thousands of tricep kickbacks and thousands of leg extensions and thousands of abdominal exercises. I perforated my L4, L5 in my disc from doing thousands of sit-ups, shearing forces across the joint. If you want ripped abdominals, of course, you need to have big muscles so that you can see the muscles and you have to have low body fat percentage. So you've got to get really fit and really strong. When you lift really heavy in the upright position, upright position, the muscles that work the hardest are your abdominals and your lower back muscles. They stop you from falling forward. So if you then go and do sit-ups on the floor, shearing forces against the joint, now you could end up with broken joints. You could end up like me with a perforated disc L4, L5 sore elbows, sore shoulders, sore knees, sore feet, all the silly things I did in, in my 
career as a, as a stupid person. I can't call myself an exercise professional because when you understand anatomy and physiology, for example, you'd never give somebody a sit-up because it doesn't burn fat and it doesn't make the muscles stronger. You'd never give somebody an upright row because you're going to impinge that supraspinatus that runs through the acromion process in the humerus. You'd never give somebody a leg extension because you're pulling the patella up against the femur and putting shearing forces against a joint that's that if you break it, you can't do anything if you've got a sore knee. It's too hard to exercise. So if I wrap all of that up, it's, again, really simple. If you want a body that's strong and if you're a bloke that's big and if you want to be able to see your muscles so that when you stand on stage, you've got low body fat percentage, beautiful muscles, and you look amazing in your swimwear, whether it's board shorts or, or speedos, whether it's a bikini or a, or a pretty dress, uh, you've got to have low body fat percentage and you've got to have strong muscles or big muscles. Now, there's only one other part to that. So it's low body fat percentage, strong big muscles, and the third one is genetics. Uh, and I... I always have a giggle because regardless of what you eat and how you exercise, if we lined up 100 people and we gave them exactly the same exercise program and exactly the same eating plan, would they look the same? And of course the answer is no because we've all got different genetics. So I'm really privileged because as a, I don't know, whatever genetics I was given, thank you mum and dad, I was given big calf muscles. They're just genetically big. So one of the things that people always say to me, apart from the fact that I've got boys' legs, is uh, how many calf raises have you done or how come you've got such big calf muscles? What calf exercises do you do? And my answer is always, thank you, mum and dad. Uh, calf exercises are something I actually stopped. I think I, when I first started exercising, I used to do calf raises and I stopped doing them because I obviously had big calf muscles and I didn't want to. At that time, I thought, oh, if I do more of these, I'm going to get um, bigger muscles. Interestingly, if you overuse a muscle and you don't give it time to recover, your, your muscles actually get smaller. I should probably say that again. If you overuse a muscle and you don't give it time to recover, it doesn't get bigger, it gets smaller. It's catabolic. Catabolic is smaller, anabolic is bigger. And anabolic only happens when your body has recovered from the workout, it's recuperated and regenerated, and then it supercompensates. So that might be another thing to consider. Number one is low body fat percentage. Get fit to turn your body into a fat-burning machine. Number two, get strong to turn your body into a a calorie-burning machine because it gives you a faster metabolism when you've got bigger muscles. Number three is genetics. And number four, something to consider if you're really not getting the results that you want is are you getting enough recovery time? A great quote that I received from a top-level Olympic coach Rowie, you can't overtrain an athlete. You can only under-recover them. You have to train really hard, really hard, really hard. But when you lift really heavy and you lift really hard, now you've catabolic. You've broken the muscle down. It now needs time to recover, to regenerate, and to supercompensate. And supercompensate means it gets bigger and stronger in men. In women, it just gets stronger. So how do we know that we're super compensated? We can lift heavier. And if you can lift heavier, it means you're going to get stronger. And if you're getting stronger, it means you can lift heavier, which means you're going to have strong muscles. Blokes, you're going to get bigger muscles. You're going to have a faster fat-burning metabolism, so you're going to burn body fat off your body. So if you want to stand on stage, you've got to get fit and you've got to get strong. Thank you, parents, for your genetics. Can't change that. Make sure you're getting enough recovery time. So if it's your goal to stand on stage and look amazing in your swimwear... Do it. Enjoy the experience, but don't do it like the crazy people do where they diet and dehydrate and do tiny little exercises for hours and hours. Uh, I've seen too many people where that screwed up their headspace for a very long time. 
So if you want to look good, if you really want to look good, so your exercise is not like me anymore who just wants a stack of energy and great quality of life. If you really want to look good and have low body fat percentage and look amazing, you've got to get fit and get strong. And wouldn't that be awesome if it was that easy? What if it was that easy? It is. I feel good. No, 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 no. Because I lift heavy. No, 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 no. And I'm fit and strong. 